Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Well, let's hold our Bibles up to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for his holy written word that reveals to us the living Christ. Before I really get into our study this morning, we're going to talk about true freedom. Uh, as already mentioned here through the presentations, I just want to read to you all about what we're celebrating on the 4th of July. During the American Revolution, the legal separation of the 13 colonies from Great Britain in 1776 actually occurred on July the 2nd when the Second Continental Congress voted to approve a resolution of independence that had been proposed in June by Richard Henry Lee of Virginia, declaring the United States independent from Great Britain rule. After voting for independence, Congress turned its attention to the Declaration of Independence, a statement explaining this decision, which had been prepared by a committee of five with Thomas Jefferson as its principal author. Congress debated and revised the wording of the declaration, finally approving it two days later on July the 4th. A day earlier, John Adams had written to his wife, Abigail, in his little letter. This is what he said. The second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forever. Adam's prediction was off by two days. From the outset, Americans celebrated independence on July the 4th, the date shown on the much publicized Declaration of Independence rather than on July 2nd, the date the resolution of independence was approved in a closed session of Congress. He was a prophet and didn't know it. And we have ever since been celebrating the 4th of July the same way. With all the pomp, all the illuminations and all that. And so uh, it's a privilege and an honor for us to live in such a great land. Amen. In your notes, John chapter 8 is going to be our opening text. And we want to talk about the true freedom that we have that's found only in Jesus. True freedom. Jesus is speaking. He says to those Jews, now notice this expression, which believed on him. And here's what he said. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Notice if you continue 
Why did he say that to these particular individuals? Because they all said they believed on him. But I'm believing that he knew that once he got in depth as far as what he wanted to teach them, some of them might change their position, which you'll find out that it happened. But we have been blessed to be born in the United States of America, to live in such a land that we live in. We call it the land of the free, the home of the brave. And we know that it's free because of all the divorces that are taking place. And we know that it's brave because people are still getting married. So it's the land of the free and the home of the brave all at the same time. I just thought I'd let you know that. Just throw it out to you. Praise God. But think about it. The freedoms that we enjoy based on our Constitution and First Amendment really do include, number one, freedom of religion. And aren't you glad that we can come here and celebrate and rejoice because of the freedom that we have to study God's Word? But then freedom of speech. In other words, our voices can be heard. Our thoughts, our feelings and wants can be made known. But freedom of the press. Sometimes I wonder, is that a blessing or not? All this stuff going on in the press. But thank God that there's freedom of the press and we can find out what's going on behind closed doors in our country. And then, of course, freedom of assembly. Aren't you glad that we can be here today and assemble without looking over our shoulder? I remember, I remember when we were in the Philippines and we were told the communist rebels know that you're here. So we've got people surrounding the whole place just for your safety and protection. So we don't have to look over our shoulders thinking that someone's going to come along and, and try to break up our assembly here because we have freedom of assembly. Then we have freedom to petition government for redress. So if you've got a complaint, you can go to the government. You can make your you know, complaint known and all that. So you can have that liberty. And it's not going to be taken from you because it's protected by the First Amendment. Well, political freedoms are wonderful. Social freedoms are wonderful. And they're so wonderful that many brave men and women have sacrificed their lives to provide these freedoms and to protect these freedoms, for which, of course, we are ever so thankful and ever so grateful and I'm believing at the sound of my voice right now, there are many here in this congregation today that served our armed forces and were willing to lay down their lives to protect this freedom that we all enjoy. Am I correct? So would you stand if you're here today and that you served on our armed forces and you were willing to lay down your life, praise God, to protect our freedoms and liberties? We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We want every opportunity to thank you, praise God, for your service to our country. Praise the Lord. Josiah, you might as well stand too because you're heading off in that direction. We thank the Lord for your life. Amen. Praise God. We thank you. As wonderful as political freedom is and social freedom is, Jesus was speaking to these individuals about a freedom that is far greater. Far greater. Why? Because these freedoms are temporal. As long as you live on the earth, you can enjoy those freedoms. But there's another freedom that is eternal. It is spiritual. And that's what Jesus was referring to and talking about. And you would think that these individuals, after hearing him make such a declaration, and seeing all the miracles and all the signs and the wonders, because he did tremendous works, before he had this dialogue with these people. You would think that they would inquire and say, Lord, 
What freedom are you talking about? Please teach us, instruct us, help us to understand and know. But no, no, what they wanted to do after the dialogue was stone him. Think about this. They got involved in this conversation. He introduces them to the subject of freedom, a greater freedom. And all of a sudden they bring up Abraham. They bring up other things. And finally, since they brought up the subject, he says, look, Abraham saw my day. And he was happy. Oh, they were floored by that statement. And they said, what? You're not even 50 years old. You tell us you had a dialogue with Abraham. Are you kidding? Who do you make yourself? And he says, well, before Abraham was. I am. And look at John 8, 59, how they responded to that. Then they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. And so passed by. Have you ever read that verse and said, now, how did he do that? I'm looking at this congregation right here and I'm thinking, I make a statement that you want to stone me over. And you all have rocks picked up and you're ready to go. But I just walk right on through the midst of you and just pass right on by. That had to be a manifestation of the Holy Ghost that probably translocated him from one place to the other place to avoid the stoning that they were ready to, to, to lay on him. But notice this. These individuals had the great I am standing right before them, ready and willing and able to teach them how to achieve and experience the greatest freedom that could ever be made known to mankind. And what do they do? They get upset with him. They want to stone him and they walk away. Well, beloved, we're not that way. We want to know about this true freedom, don't we? We're willing to listen to what he has to say. Now, he taught them some other things up to this point, and some of them were hard for them to hear. But apparently here, they couldn't take this. They couldn't stand it. But we want to talk about it. In that verse, John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said, you've got to continue in my word. And how does that speak to us here this morning? We may know what the word says, but we've got to continue in it. We got to keep hearing it over and over and over and over again. Why? You don't get it all the first time. You don't get it all the second time. We don't get it all the third time or the fourth time. And beside all that, you've got to keep on and keep on and keep on because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Have you exhausted every food that there is to eat in the world? Maybe you have. Maybe someone's been everywhere eating every form of food that you can possibly eat. Would you stop eating after you did? Well, I'm done eating now. I've eaten all that there is to eat in the world today, so I'm going to stop eating from this point on. I guarantee you, it's not going to do you any good. No matter how many times we read this Bible, no matter how many times we study certain subjects, we can always get more and more and more. And if we think that we've exhausted everything, keep studying it because you know what? It's like energy. It's like charging up your battery so you can use it on your phone. And I guarantee you some young people, they don't let their batteries run, run out. 
Okay, number one, true freedom is found in knowing and also continuing in God's word. I need to know what Jesus has to say because you see, he offered the information and the word know there. You've heard me say this before, but it bears repetition here because it's a, it's a powerful word. Know, to know is the word epignosco. And what it means is knowledge that perfectly unites the subject with the object. It's not just knowing about the donut that you ate this morning. You see, the donut was one of those long johns with the maple on top and the white cream on the inside. And you called up Max one day and said, I like the way you use that cream. What kind, what's in that cream? Tell, tell me exactly all the ingredients that you use to make that wonderful donut. Or you might like the apple fritters or the this or the that or whatever. And you know everything about what's in that. And you sit there and you look at that donut. You may know what's in it, but you don't know it. You won't know it till you put it in your mouth and you savor its taste. And it just begins to melt in your mouth and it feels so good if you like that kind of a donut. I'm making myself so hungry. It's unbelievable. <laughs> save me one rose, save me one. <laughs> See, knowing it means I put it in my mouth and I tasted it and oh, was it so good. See, that's the difference. It's like electricity. You can be an electrical engineer and know all about it. He's not talking about that. It's when you put your fingers into the outlet and your hair goes whoop, like that. Now you know electricity. So if you continue in my word, you will come to the place that you enter into a oneness with it. You experience it. Adam knew his wife Eve and they bear a child. So you can see the intimacy he's talking about with the word of God. You truly know it. So he tells them to know the truth. You've got to continue in the word. And if you continue in it, you will know it. You will embrace it. You'll experience it. And guess what? It will manifest in and through your life in a way that will produce what? Freedom. So if I want salvation, I better find out what the word says. If I want freedom from eternal loss, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, only one verse of scripture. But look at what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if I want freedom from eternal loss, internal separation from God, I've got to come to God, not based on my own works, but based on the works of another. And his name is Jesus. And based on everything that he did, praise God, I can come to God and I can experience freedom from eternal separation. Man, if that doesn't make you shout, I don't know what will. But then also, what about freedom from guilt and condemnation? Something that really just wreaks havoc with so many people's lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. I need to know what the word of God has to say about righteousness. Why? Well, because for too long, even behind pulpits, people that just preach guilt and condemnation and guilt and condemnation to get people to come to the altar to pray for them, only to come back Wednesday night and preach the same guilt and condemnation to have them come to the altar to pray for them again, to come back Sunday morning and do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again until they have no idea which way to go. But you see, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that you and I could be made not worms in the dust, 
not unworthy creatures to approach the throne of God, but we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. So if I want freedom from guilt and condemnation, I just find out what the word says. And guess what? I embrace it. I believe it. I speak it, I declare it, I decree it. And when the enemy who produces guilt and condemnation comes along and says to me, but look at what you did yesterday. I just tell him, but that's under the blood, praise God. And the blood cleanses me from all sin. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Can you say amen? And if I want to be liberated and truly set free from sickness and disease that all wreaks havoc in people's lives, then I need to go to the scriptures and find out what they teach. For example, 1 Peter 2.24. It says, who his own self, notice we're all referring to Jesus, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead, the sin should live to righteousness, by whose stripes you might. There's a good chance. No, by whose stripes ye were healed. That's just one verse of scripture. Psalm 103, he forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. Jeremiah 30, 17, he restores health to us and heals us of all of our wounds. And the list goes on and on. And you look the scriptures over and over and over and keep feeding on it and feeding on it and feeding on it until it becomes what? The reality that you're looking for in your heart. And then it becomes a reality manifested in your flesh. And the list goes on and on. I mean, there are many different uh, things that we could point out right now, but Look at John 8, 33, because this is their response. When Jesus said, continue in my word, you're my disciple indeed. In other words, I'm teaching you something that you've never heard before. I'm teaching you something that the law tried to communicate to you, but you know what? The law is going to fall short. And so all your prophets of old and fathers of old, they had a limited revelation of the things of God, but I am the great I am. I'm the creator of heaven and earth and all that's in it. I want to share a few things with you. So listen to what I have to say. Look at this. They answered him. And here's what they said. We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? You shall be made free. Oh, wait a minute. They have a short memory. Don't they have a short memory? They were actually truthful in what they said in their own minds and hearts. It shows us how deep deception runs. Uh, let me, excuse me. Weren't you in Egypt in bondage? Weren't you in bondage to the Philistines, the Persians, the Syrians, Babylon? I mean, the list goes on and on. You were never in bondage to any man? No, we were never in bondage. See, sometimes we could just shift that over to our day. There are many bondages that are out there that the enemy tries to enforce in people's lives. In bondage to this, in bondage to that, in bondage to the other thing. But Jesus said, just stay in my word. Just stand on my word. Just learn my word. And my word will make you free. My word will deliver you from that thing. Is there something that's holding you captive? Stick with us and stay in the word because you're about to get free this morning. There's freedom for you. There's freedom for me. And it's total freedom. It's true freedom. The freedom that he wants us to experience at his expense. Okay. Number two. Freedom. True freedom is being free from the tyranny of Satan and the kingdom of darkness as well as sin. That's what true freedom really is. And that's what he tried to communicate to them. Look in John 8, 34 and 35. 
Because after they said that, he said this. Jesus answered them, who said, we've never been in bondage. But notice the double verily. When you see the double verily, what does it mean? It means that he is swearing by himself. He is impacting their thought life with the idea that I can swear by myself. I'm God. There's no higher. So verily, verily, what I'm saying to you is absolutely, positively true. Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. You're a slave to sin. You may be Jewish, you may be under the law, you may have the Mosaic law, you may have all of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as your ancestors and all that, but whoever commits sin is a servant of sin, you're a slave to sin, and this, notice this, the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. Jesus is offering to them something that no government can provide, something that no law can provide, something that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and the list goes down and down. They cannot provide what I'm trying to share with you. You're a slave to sin, and sin, if it's allowed to run its course, will take you into the realms of darkness where you'll spend your eternity forever. I want you to know there's liberation from that. I want you to know that there's deliverance from that. I want you to know that you don't have to spend your eternity in a lake of fire throughout for all the ages. I want you to know that I'm trying to communicate to you something that I can offer that Moses can't, the law can't, the temple can't, no one else can, no government can no political power can no military force can this is something i'm sharing with you and i'm wanting to give to you but since you brought up abraham jesus says what in that 35th verse a servant doesn't abide in the house forever but the son does now does that sound a little bit odd to you like he would say something like that right there because it's basically something that's jewish and something that we westerners don't really understand He's talking about Ishmael and Isaac is what he's talking about. He said, you want to bring the law into this? You want to bring Abraham into this? Abraham had two sons. One was born from a slave and one was born from a free woman. So to give us the full picture, let's read Galatians chapter 4. This is from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Let's begin with verse 21 and read this because Paul picked up on this. And this is what Paul was referring to. And this is what Jesus was trying to communicate to them. Your law is not going to save you. Ishmael is not going to save you. Isaac will. Type of Christ. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law. One represents the law. The other represents grace. Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants, the old and the new. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Think about that. And the Jews themselves admit they're in a state of defilement right now. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Sarah, it's speaking of Sarah. 
Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman. The slave doesn't abide in the house forever. Because of the persecution of Ishmael over Isaac. Cast out the slave woman and her son. In other words, the law is going to come to an end. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit the son of the free woman. With the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Thank God we're not in slavery under the law because we can never keep the law. But we've been born free because of the precious sacrifice and blood of Jesus. So what does Jesus respond? Look at the next verse because in John eight thirty six, if you've got your shouter on, get ready to use it. Freedom comes by Jesus. If the Son shall therefore set you free, you shall be free indeed. You're looking to the law. You're looking to the slave. You were a slave to the law and you could never keep it. I've come to fulfill the law and let you know that grace means I will empower you to experience salvation. So the third thing is true freedom is found in a person and his name is Jesus. Now I want you to notice, and I have this here in your notes for you, that those two words free. So if the son shall make you free is the first one. And that word free, the Greek actually means to liberate someone from slavery. Just like someone's in, in slavery and someone comes out and liberates them. Pays their ransom, buys them or whatever, but then delivers them and sets them free. The Emancipation Proclamation declared that slaves were made free and they were allowed to walk free. But they were a slave, but now they're free, right? But the second one is a different word with a different meaning. It means you are free born. It means you've never been a slave. It means you aren't a slave, it means, praise God, that Jesus was saying that I will see to it that, number one, I liberate you from slavery. You were a slave under the law, a slave to sin, slave to Satan, slave to his kingdom. But I'm not going to leave you that way. When I get done with you, I am going to so liberate you. It will be as if you were never a slave. I will blot out your, the fact that you were a slave. And I will produce within you that which is freeborn like as it, it never existed whatsoever at all. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything's become brand new. You've never been a slave. You aren't a slave. Praise God. That's why when you hear a preacher say, I'm just so unworthy worthy stop them right there what do you mean you're unworthy you're looking at who you were before you came to christ you were unworthy but when you came to him he took you with his blood he washed you in his blood he made you whiter than snow and he removed everything from you that called you a slave you're not a slave you're a son and if the son makes you free mm, 
You're free indeed. See, only Jesus has that power to redeem us that way and free us that way, to liberate us that way from our past, to just blot it out and make us new creations. So, Jesus is, number one, the source of our freedom, of true freedom. He is also the scope of our freedom and the sacrifice for our freedom. And I want to close with those three thoughts. Number one, Jesus is the source for our freedom. Thank God that he has set us free. Look in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. And again, this is from the ESV. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And remember, we just read chapter 4, the last verses, where he talked about the allegory between Sarah and Hagar. And now he says this in verse 1 of chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't be a slave to sin because, you see, you've been given power over sin. You've been given power over the law. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, which is getting back under the law, Christ will be of no advantage to you. So in other words, they were to set aside the law and realize that Jesus fulfilled it. And now in him, they are completely delivered and set free and that his righteousness will be basically imputed to them. And they become the righteousness of God in Christ. And now they're to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ have set them free. Don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage because you can't do it in the flesh. You're saved by grace through faith. He is the source of our freedom. Secondly, he is also the scope. He provides the scope for our freedom. And there's so many things here. We just listed just a few for you. But number one, look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Because... Of what Jesus has done for all of us here today, there is freedom from the wrath of God. Glory to God. Freedom from the wrath of God. Much more than being now justified by his blood. And remember, much blood was shed for us to experience our American freedoms. Much blood. But because of his blood, we have something their blood could never provide. We shall be saved from the wrath, from wrath through him. One day the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon all mankind. And you don't want to be around when the wrath, the bowls of God's wrath, of God's judgment is poured out. That's why I truly feel sorry for those that say, let me see, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I believe in post-trib because I believe the church is going to have to go through the tribulation period. You know what I say? Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I don't believe that. Because we, washed in the blood of the Lamb, praise God, have been delivered from the wrath that is to come. We are not going to be ones who suffer the wrath of Almighty God. Why should this portion of the church suffer something that the whole church age has never suffered, which is the wrath of God? Common sense tells you this is going back to Jewish time and they're going to, God going to deal with the Jews in the last seven years, which is the last seven years of Daniel's prophecy. His, his, remember his 70 weeks? It's the last week of his prophecy. goes back to the Jewish time. And what are they going to do? What's he going to do? Cleanse Jerusalem from all sin. 
That has nothing to do with Gentiles. That has everything to do with the Jewish nation. And he's going to deal with that. Let God take care of that. Let him take care of it while you and I are just waving goodbye. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'm going to meet you in the air. Can you say amen? So we're free from the wrath of God. Think about it. Free from judgment. Free from the wrath of God. And we have our ticket stamped and we're going to be on our way to glory. But secondly, also freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you. And unless someone preaches that to you, instead of standing up here and saying just how guilty you are, how bad you are, and how, how wrong you are, and all this, that, and the other thing. No. Just listen to what the Word says in Romans chapter 6. Look at these verses. There's a whole lot more. I have to read the whole chapter. I don't want to do that. But thanks be to God that you were, who were once slaves to sin. The slave can say what? When they're liberated, I'm no longer a slave. Emancipation proclamation. I'm no longer a slave. I'm not serving you anymore. I'm out of here. Goodbye. Well, we were once slaves to sin, but now have become obedient from the heart to, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So what he's saying is this sin right now has no dominion over any of us. It is our God-given, constitutional, blood covenant right for you and I to rise up and just say, anger, you've got no power over me. I'm not yielding to you anymore. Immorality, you've got no power over me. I'm not yielding to you at all. And you can go on and on. Fear, you have no power over me whatsoever. I will not fall victim to unbelief. God wants us all to rise up. Raise up our flag, our Christian flag, and start heralding it before all the realms of darkness and say, look at that, buddy. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been delivered by the blood of the Lamb. Sin has no power over me, praise God. My wife might have power over me, but sin has no power over me. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Number three, freedom from Satan's tyranny. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Freedom from Satan's tyranny. He has, this is Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae. And in this prayer, he is praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according unto his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father who has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, he took us, he rooted us out of the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. He uprooted the plant, the tree. Remember he said, speak to that tree, pull it out. He shined in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. He ripped us out of the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. He took us over here and planted us in his kingdom as trees of righteousness forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. He's already done that for us. So we're no longer under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. And so the next time you find yourself maybe somewhat tempted to say, the devil's been after me all week, following me everywhere I go. Before you say, stop. Turn around. You want to say, get thee behind me. He'll be back over there doing it again. But just. <laughs> it's been a long day yesterday. But 
stop right there and just say, no, I'm not even going to admit it. You have no power over me. None whatsoever. I don't belong to your kingdom and you cannot run roughshod over me any longer. I'm taking my stand, praise God. Now circumstances come your way, but don't give him any credit whatsoever. Just declare it. I'm free in Jesus name. Freedom from condemnation. We talked about that a little bit. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is there now, therefore now, a little bit of condemnation. What translation do you have? There is therefore now, how much? How much? No condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Don't let your flesh tell you that you're condemned. Don't let your flesh tell you that you can't serve God. Don't let it try to dominate your life, your thinking and your actions and your behavior. Stand right there and just say, oh, flesh of mine, I submit you to God in Jesus name. I submit you as a living sacrifice to God. I'm going to, if I need be like Paul said, I'm going to beat you up with the word of God. I'm going to beat you up with the righteousness of God. No, as far as I'm concerned, there is no guilt nor condemnation because the blood of Jesus sets me free. And then verse two is the next one. We're free. He, you talk about true freedom. We're free from a law of sin and death. There is a law set in motion by, Ab- by, by Adam in the very beginning called the law of sin and death. Man would have never died from the very beginning, but because of him. And I'll tell you what, whenever I say that, and Andrew asked me all these questions about why this, why that, whatever. I said, Hey, it's Adam's fault. <laughs> he goes, Adam, (laughs) he gives him that hand, Adam, (laughs) the law of sin and death was set in motion by Adam, but the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Can you say amen? It took 4,000 years to accomplish, but guess what? He did it, praise God. So true freedom is we're free from the law of sin and death. And death has no power of us. Death does not have the final say. You say, but aren't you going to die? Yeah, but guess what? I'm coming up out of the grave. I'm coming up with the same body glorified and look just like his. Praise God Almighty. Hallelujah. And then there's freedom from this. I love this from the curse of the law. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. We are free from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come come on the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what Paul is telling these people is, look, you've been free from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28 tells us the curse of the law. It includes, you're cursed in this, cursed in the city, cursed in the field, cursed in the basket, cursed in the store, cursed, 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 everywhere you go, cursed in the fruit of your body. And the list goes on. Every sickness, every disease, known to mankind, unknown to mankind, whether it's named or named, whether it's unknown or unknown, if it's, whatever it's known or, or not, whatever sickness or disease, you and I have been legally redeemed from by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's true freedom. But for it to be a reality, we've got to enforce it. We've got to learn it. We've got to know it. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So in other words, we should be laboring, working hard to get to the place that we really understand, know, and experience these truths of our freedoms. Amen. Praise God. All right. And then finally, Jesus sacrificed his life for our freedom. So he is the source, scope, and sacrifice for our freedom. He's the sacrifice. Look at 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot, without blemish and without spot. As I said earlier, much blood was shed to secure the freedoms that we enjoy, our First Amendment rights. Revolutionary War. There's stories about the signers, and I, I, you know what, I, 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 was, I was going to use this, but I don't want to throw anything out there that's not 100% factual. Because I was reading some articles, and you can't believe everything on the internet, you realize that. I was reading some articles about the, these 56 signers of the uh, Constitution, and how many were captured by the British, many were tortured before they died, many were imprisoned and all that. And I'll tell you what, it makes a good you know, message if you want to declare that. But as I studied to find out whether or not all these things were true, I found out that they're not true. Now, some suffered some hardship along the way, but not with what was stated. So if it's not factual, if I don't know it's 100% true, I don't want to throw it out. But they did have a hard time. But the Revolutionary War, much blood was shed. And from that time on to the 16 million people that have really fought to defend our freedoms and liberties, from what I read, over a million died or gave their lives for it. Imagine all the bloodshed that took place in order to provide freedom for us politically, socially, racially, and the list goes on and on. Thank God for the blood that was shed, right? Thank God for the lives that were given. But all that blood cannot, will never be able to provide the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord that's not temporal but that is eternal that will follow us throughout the eternal ages when we enter into the kingdom of God and experience praise God the fullness of the inheritance he secured for us by his blood Oh, thank God for the precious blood of Jesus Christ that washes water than snow. You see, his blood, I love this, was the perfect blood type. What's your blood type? I get calls from the Central Blood Bank all the time because I give blood there all the time because they like my blood type. For some reason, they like my blood. They want a lot of it. I get calls all the time. They want my blood. They want my blood. We need your blood. We need your blood. I need some too, I tell them. I can, can I have a little for myself? But it's your type. We like your blood type. Okay. Of all the blood types that exist in the world, in the realm of humanity, one blood was sufficient to cleanse the blood by his blood. Every person that has ever violated any law of God, one blood, one blood type, all humanity is served. The blood of Jesus Christ. All right. Look at this last verse in John 8, 37. By his blood, Satan's been defeated. By his blood, praise God, you and I have power over sin. Sin's power has been broken. By his blood, hell's flames have been quenched. Can you say amen to that? By his precious blood, we're no longer slaves to sin. In this verse, the verse that Jesus spoke after verse 36 said, If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Notice what he said to them. And I'm going to close with this. Come on up here. I know that you are Abraham's seed. You think I didn't know that? But you seek to kill me. Boy, does that ring true today? Does that ring true today in our society? Rid us of everything that talks about Jesus. Because, notice why. Because, wow, this stood out to me like a neon sign. Because, what's the reason? What's the reason they want to listen? 
What's the reason they don't want this to be done, that to be done? What's the reason they want Bibles out of school? What's the reason they want prayer out of school? And you know what? This is so puzzling to me. I've been in the courthouse. I've been at, at legal meetings. And everyone I've been to, they start in prayer. They start with prayer. But you can't pray at a football game. What's wrong with that picture? What's the answer? What's the reason? Because my word has no place in you. Whoa. You know what I said to that? I wrote it out there for you. Your word has a place in me. Your word has a place in my heart. Your word has a place in my life. Your word tells me how to live, how to act, how to speak, how to talk, what to do, what I should not do. Your word gives me advice. It gives me counsel. Guess what? I want your word in me. Praise God. I want to be free. I want to be liberated. I want to be delivered. I want to live a life of freedom. So, Lord, your word lives in me. You tell me to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I'm going to do what you said. You tell me, uh, don't fear. I'm not going to be afraid. You tell me uh, you're more than enough. I believe you're more than enough. You say all things are possible. I say all things are possible. Your word you've exalted above your name. I exalt your word in my life above anything and everything else that comes my way. Praise God because you know the truth and the truth of what? Set you free. Let's all stand together and worship God together. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you for a true freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. With that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith 
and experience. God bless.